Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing Kandelvi's book, we are on session 20, inshallah. And now we're doing confession of a Salafi scholar. And <clears throat> just to define briefly what is a Salafi. The meaning of Salafi, meaning the word Salaf, refers to one who came before. Khalaf is one who comes after. So, <clears throat> the meaning, in theory, is that you're trying to go back to that, that early generation. Now, there were a group of Salafis at the beginning of the 20th century, which are fundamentally different than the Salafis we have now. The Salafis at the beginning of the 20th century um, connect themselves to two figures. One uh, is named Muhammad Abdu from Egypt, and another is his student, Rashid Ridha. And in our language, we'd call them modernists. Okay. Now, these Salafis, um, a better term is the Protestants. And what do we mean by Protestants? In the 1500s, you had Martin Luther, John Calvin, a few other people, who were pushing to take Christianity away from the stronghold of the church and the Pope. And they had a number of serious complaints. And in a core of their point was that, okay, I don't need the Pope to get closer to God. I don't need a priest to get closer to God. I have the Bible in front of me. I can understand myself, right? And, <clears throat> and that was working 500 years ago as opposed to, why not 500 years before that? Because now you have Gutenberg's Bible, and it's publishing the Bible in mass publication, which is making it cheaper. Now everyone can own a copy. And so... So now everyone can say, yeah, I can study this by myself. Whereas before, before mass publication, you needed a priest. Okay? And, and so what's happened uh, in the 20th century, later 20th century through now is with mass publication of the Hadith, especially in the era of the Internet, now someone can say, well, okay, I don't need a scholar. A scholar is a human. I'm intelligent, I can study this for myself, and I can study, you know, the Qur'an and the Hadith, and, and learn what I need to learn, all I gotta do is go on the internet, search a word, and I get my answer. Of course, there's many problems with that, not the least of which is that there are assumptions in the Hadith that if you're not trained, you're gonna, mis, uh, you're gonna misread Hadith. Further problem is that if you have four different Hadith uh, addressing the same issue, how do you answer that question? That's part of the purpose of the schools of fiqh. And further, uh, yeah, sure, a scholar is human, and a but a scholar is an expert, but so is the person who's transcribing the hadith onto your website, right? So it's multiple levels of humanity. And so the idea of the Salafis is essentially they follow Quran, uh, Bukhari, and Muslim. And then <clears throat> uh, their philosophy is one where we'd say they don't believe in something unless you can show that it's true, right? Negation. And the idea there is that I have to prove to you that the hadith is, is authentic okay, before that person will believe it, which is a complete inversion of how all this stuff works. And, and so those are the Salafis. They're inevitable as a growth. But they've opened the door for a lot of people to, to basically do the equivalent of passing all kinds of fatwas without calling them fatwas, uh, just by saying, yeah, I can study this all myself. Yeah. That's the Salafi. Alright, so let's see what the letter is. <clears throat> Amongst many of the letters of Sheikh Hussein Ahmed Madani, 
is a long letter written in response to the former head of Al Jamaatul Islami in India, Abu Abu Layth. He, he writes, <coughs> Sheikh Muhammad Hussein Batalwi was one of the fiercest leaders of the Salafi group. He was bitterly opposed to Taqlid and was one of the uh, foremost propagators of the Salafi movement in India at the time. He writes in his magazine Ish'at al-Sunnah, After 53 years of experience, I have learned this much. Those who ignorantly renounce following an independent mujtahid and belief in absolute Taqlid eventually say farewell, salam to Islam. Okay, look at that. Mm. So if you are fiercely against Taqlid, you are probably eventually going to leave Islam. And how that plays out in America is probably your children, grandchildren. Some of them convert to Christianity while others renounce all religions and become independent of any religion or belief. The lowest level of this renunciation is rejection of and and deviation from the rulings of Sharia. Some of these heretics go as far as to reject the uh, Jumu'ah Salah. Congregational salah, salah, and fasting. They do not abstain from alcohol and usury. Mm-hmm. usury. Some of uh, them avoid uh, avoid open confrontation with the deen for worldly reasons, but are in, engaged in it quietly. They entrap women, wedding them Ill- illegitimately, and usurp people's wealth through impermissible means. Hold up to the, hold up the wealth owed to Allah subhanahu wa taala and violate his rights. There are other ways of inviting disbelief, apostasy, and heresy, but the most effective way of destroying the deen of the people who are ignorant of deen is rejection of taqlid. Okay. So I think that's kind of extreme, mm-hmm. um, especially because you can give examples of a number of these people um, who are also among the Sufis who, uh, who say some of the same things, right? And they will have extreme taqlid of their sheikh, mm-hmm. right? But nevertheless, the point is that if you are very aggressive anti-taqlid, mm-hmm. then you're basically saying, I don't believe anything from anybody. Right, and why wouldn't you leave the deen? Okay, let's continue. Discourse between Sheikh Qasim and the Salafi scholar. This excerpt of Sheikh Muhammad Hussein Batalwi's words, taken by Sheikh Hussein Ahmed Badani, shows what Sheikh learned after many years of experience. In another book, Sawani, Sawani Qasimi, Qasimi. There is another incident about him. Sheikh Muhammad Hussein Batalwi wrote a letter to Sheikh Qasim Nanatwi saying, I need to talk to you privately about some important matters, but other, but under the condition that none of your students will be with you when we talk. Sheikh Nanatwi accepted and replied, Please do come. Thereafter, Sheikh Batalwi came to Sheikh Nanatwi. The door of the room was closed and the conversation began. Sheikh Nanatwi said to Sheikh Batalwi, Whatever you say, be aware of two things. First, you will narrate the ruling of Hanafi Madhab while I am responsible for presenting the evidences. Second, I am a muqallid of Imam Abu Hanifa. Any objection you raise must be uh, based on a ruling of Imam Abu Hanifa, not something written in Shami, or by the, other, or by the author of Ad-Dur al-Mukhtar, that he said such and such thing because I am not their muqallid. <laughs> Thereafter, many con- uh, controversial issues of raising the hands after bowing, ruku, Reciting Surah Fatiha behind the Imam, saying Amin out loud, and other issues were discussed. As per instruction, Sheikh Batalwi narrated the ruling of the Hanafi Madhab on the issue while Sheikh Nanotwi presented evidence from the Quran and Sunnah. During the talk, whenever Sheikh Nanotwi presented his arguments and evidences, Sheikh Batalwi would become ecstatic, frequently crying out, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be praised, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be praised, and almost stood up in, in amazement. When the talk was over, he said, I'm amazed at a person like yourself and then a muqallid. 
i.e. with all this knowledge, insight, and ability to derive from the Qur'an and Sunnah, how can you be a muqallid? Sheikh Mamatui <laughs> replied, Am I amazed, uh, and I am amazed that a person like yourself can be a Salafi. I also learned, I also heard this same incident from some elders. They said that at the end of their talk, Sheikh Nanotwi said to Sheikh Batalwi, you're saying, what, uh, you're saying what you said about me while I'm a muqallid is reason, reasonable proof of the importance of taqlid. Mm-hmm. So, he has proofs, right? And so, the idea of taqlid is that you're trusting that the proofs are there. Mm-hmm. And then if you investigate, you'll find the proofs. Right? Okay, anecdote. Uh, just a quick question. Yeah. What is like Sheikh Batawi's like response after this? Uh, that I don't know because I'm not familiar with him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm guessing that it's like aha, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know if if the Sheikh changed uh, his stance and such, but the basic point being that uh, the people outside of Taqlid who are anti-Taqlid assume that the Muqallids are dumb and ignorant, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, it's more likely the case to say that they're probably a lot more stable than people who are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it just that, like that dialogue between like a Salafi and a Muqallid, like a reason to, like the lack of it, a reason for which everything is kind of like very set apart? Between the two? I mean, there's other issues, like, you know, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran that they didn't become divided until after knowledge came to them. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to use knowledge, then knowledge makes you a bigger version of yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so, if you are corrupt, then you're going to become more corrupt, right? And so, we're not pointing the finger at anyone saying they're corrupt, mm-hmm. but corruption will be present. Yeah. An anecdote. One of my classmates who graduated from Mazahirul Ulum was later employed as a librarian in the school library, but left because of the low salary. He went to work in Aligarh, uh, India, for a PhD doctor who was a Salafi. He sent me a letter three or four days after being hired, explaining now, explaining how he was enjoying it in Aligarh. Aligarh. And that the salary was decent. He also said, he, the doctor, is very good. He loves me and always invites me for dinner. Since I, was our, uh, since, <laughs> since I have arrived, though, I have gotten myself stuck in a predicament. He, when he prays, he rises and raises from after bowing. He raises his hands and keeps them frozen in that position until he is in prostration. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Try to even imagine that. Yeah. He never falls on his face because he is used to it. Falls on his face because he is used to it, but when I do the same thing, I fall on my face. When I tell him that Sheikh uh, Thana Allah Ta'ala uh, Panipati. Oh, Panipati and Sheikh Nazir Hussein, known Salafi scholars, wrote in their fatwas that one should drop his hands after raising the hands. He exclaims, Am I Muqallid of Sheikh Naz, uh, Nazir and Sheikh Panipati? Uh, if I wanted to do taqlid, why shouldn't I just follow Imam Hanifa, who was a greater in his knowledge? his deeds and his taqwa than them. Could you kindly send me a hadith that proves that the Blessed Prophet dropped his hands immediately after he raised them, before he prostrated uh, I am in a very difficult position. So, so this is again giving the, the consequences. The guy is saying, I'm not going to be a muqallid of this Salafi scholar, so I'm just going to keep my hands up. Right? This, this is, I mean, it's kind of making it absurd. Um, but the point being that built in, like, you know, when we're calling the Salafis Protestants, mm-hmm. think of the idea of protest, rebellion. Yeah. And so, built in to the Salafi outlook is a sentiment of rebellion. At the time, I was teaching a session on a hadith. I don't have a letter, uh, the letter at the moment, nor do I remember the whole incident, but I do remember some, sending some hadith <coughs> by Abu Humaid al-Sa'adi, from, uh, uh, عنه, from Bukhari in the hadith. The companion, radiallahu anh, describes the Blessed Prophet, 
فإذا رفع راسه استوى حتى يعود كل فقار مكانه. As he stood up, he would relax until every limb was in its proper place. Okay. This is can o- this can only be true if the Blessed Prophet ﷺ dropped his hands after raising them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so it makes sense, right? Um, let's stop here, and we'll do taqlid of the Grace Imam Imam Abu Hanifa next time, inshallah. All right. Uh, any other questions or thoughts? Subhanakallahum wa bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk wa akhirat da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.